Welcome to Everyday Greatness, a nice little show proudly brought to you by major sponsor ARA Group, one of Australia's greatest supporters of community projects. Everyday Greatness is a show hosted by a real human being, talking to some real people about real human issues that will help make you feel proud again of simply being a good solid Joe Bag of Donuts. Here's your host, Barnaby Howarth. Welcome to Everyday Greatness and thanks for listening. I'm your host, Barnaby Howarth. This is a show designed to help people realise there is greatness in being an everyday Harry Sacker Rolls. The family of my guest today, Tom Harley, proved beyond doubt that you can get measurable success by leading people with a focus on old school values. Tom's grandfather, Flight Lieutenant Brian Rofe, led a mission that saved 28 men from a seemingly hopeless situation stranded in Timor in World War II. They were trapped between the coast and an advancing Japanese army. Tom's father chaired a foundation looking to find a cure for spinal cord injury. The foundation was started by a friend of Tom's dad's who suffered spinal cord injury while playing AFL footy and Tom himself captained Geelong to two AFL premierships He's now the CEO of the Sydney Swans. Focusing on old school values isn't guaranteed to bring you success, but it's the accumulation of small, generous acts directed to the people around you that builds community resilience, which brings good people into your life, which can, in turn, lead to success. In the world of professional sport, where people seem to be getting more and more ruthless as they chase instant success, Tom Harley is a refreshing kind of bloke. Tom has done some big things in sport, but he's done them all by focusing on those small, immeasurable things in life, just trying to be a good human being and helping those around him become better people. Old school values like trust, self-pride and respect are often thought to be getting in the way in professional sport, where it seems like everybody is on a ruthless quest to find their mystical X factor so they can stand out and be the best. But by instilling those old school values in the club at Geelong, Tom helped the club win two AFL premierships and helped some of his mates win Norm Smith and Brownlow medals. Now at the Sydney Swans, Tom Harley is like Harry Potter. Wherever he goes, big things just keep happening around him and he keeps making the people around him better. But Tom doesn't use a magic wand or a flying broomstick, though. Tom takes his cues from the role models in his life, especially his father and grandfather. He just keeps focusing on the small things and big things keep happening around him. To tell us how he balances the demands for instant success that come with being the CEO of a professional sports club with the old-school pursuit of just trying to be a good person... I'm pleased to say that Tom Harley joins me now. Tom, thank you and welcome to Everyday Greatness. Thank you for having me, Barn. Great to see you. in. Uh, we're in the boardroom of the SCG, so um, uh, really pleased to have a chat about all things and uh, looking forward to it. So your father, your grandfather and yourself seem to have a reputation for being respected leaders. What are some of the traits you're the most proud of that you've inherited directly from your father and grandfather? It's a... Um, one thing that I feel really privileged about Barnaby is, is learning about my grandfather. My, he's my uh, paternal grandfather, so my mother's father. And um, 
as a young fella growing up in Adelaide, um, he, I should say he passed away when my mum was in her late teens, so I never met Brian Rofe. Um, but my grandmother, uh, Patricia, she was very much the matriarch of that family. Um, she passed away at the ripe old age of 93. Uh, she was a dyed-in-the-wool Adelaide Crows supporter, um, loved the be- beloved Nord Redlegs in the SANFL, and um, she spoke glowingly about Brian, obviously, and uh, she never remarried. She never had, so she told us, never had any other relationships after after Brian. But um, uh, recently my cousin, uh, Tom Trumbull, uh, he's an author and uh, he wrote a book about Brian's exploits in um, in Timor during the Second World War and and the um, leadership role that Brian played uh, played with, uh, in effect, saving the lives of um, over 25 troops. Um, and he subsequently turned that into a podcast, which uh, which was a great history lesson for all of us, the family. So, um, look, Brian was a um, he was a doer. Um, he cared for people. Um, he he was hard. He was abs- absolutely hard, but um, but very much believed in uh, uniting a group of people towards a common cause. And uh, my old man is uh, on the other side of the family. Um, he he is a lawyer in Adelaide. We grew up around local footy clubs, um, and uh, one thing I've often said about my dad is that um, he he never says anything untoward about anyone. Um, I think every now and again he might he might say, "Oh, geez, I'm not sure about that person," but he, he's certainly not derogatory, and um, he he is a good human being. And um, I think the nub of it, jumping around a little bit, Barn is is ultimately. Um, from an individual standpoint, how you define success. You know, we, we live in a world, whether it's sport or business or school or education, where there are so many finite outcomes. And if you, you know, I think, I think um, the really great people, the people that I aspire to, uh, they're playing an infinite game, if you like. I'm stealing some words from Simon Sinek, who's an author, but uh, um, they focus on, on being true to themselves, um, upholding their values um, and not being short-sighted around... Uh, immediate success and therefore by extension define success in a less less tangible way so it's certainly something that I've tried to uh, to emulate um, I've still got a bloody long way to go um, but I've been unbelievably fortunate to have been part of a family where I've had really great role models and, and been able to have a career um, both on and off the field in the game that I love. So in this modern world where everybody is after short-term success everybody seems to be Want to seems to want to be better than the people that came before them. Do you want to be better than your father and your grandfather, or are you happy being exactly the same? Uh, again, it probably Barn. It probably goes back to the definition of better. I, I certainly have a an internal mantra, if you like, to be better tomorrow than I was today. Now, that doesn't necessarily need to be defined by winning more games, generating more revenue. Um, I guess I'm not necessarily playing in this space, but having more social media followers or likes, they're, they're very immediate immediate measurements of, um, of, of performance. So I, I, I try to take every opportunity in life, uh, every situation in life as an opportunity to learn something. So um, this is a good conversation um, and you probably don't realise, but I'll walk away from it taking something, putting it in my kit bag and pulling it out some, some other time down the road. And um, when I do speak to people about their own sort of personal journey and personal development. I, I do encourage everyone to look around, throw themselves into situations and ultimately try to uh, try to add to uh, add strings to their bow. 
So and, that's, and, I was gonna, and that's my definition of getting better, yep. So a lot of people would consider you to be a successful bloke, two AFL premierships as captain and now the CEO of an AFL club. Most successful people seem to have an X factor. What's your X factor? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, that's a... Uh, what's the, what, I, what I try to do, Barney, and, and I'll, I'll caveat all of this by by saying I'm not an expert on anything. Um, I'm, on a, I'm on a continuing journey. Um, I'm really enjoying the role I'm doing at the Sydney Swans and we've got a lot of work to do as we work our way through um, a transitional phase on and off the field and certainly off the back of the challenges that COVID-19 presented the industry, but particularly our club. Um, I, I would like to think, and I can put my head on the pillow at night, um, that I uh, try my best. I... Um, put the work in, um, not afraid of hard work, um, and I'd like to think I treat people with respect um, uh, and try to surround myself with with people who also try their best um, and are not just cookie cutters of the way I see the world. So um, there's a little bit of luck sprinkled in there as well. I, I, I think people who who say that's not the case are probably not being totally truthful to themselves. I've I've been fortunate of being um, uh, the benefactor of an, a couple of sliding door moments. I had it in my football career. I landed at uh, at the Cats and an opportunity presented to play in a particular position. Um, I married a Sydney girl, and and that presented an opportunity to move to Sydney and, and be involved in our great game in development sense and then obviously the introduction through to the Swans. So uh, a little bit of luck in all of that, but ultimately I try to try to do my best through hard work and, and uh, staying true to who I am. So let's talk about the Swans for a sec. The Swans' unprecedented 20-year run of making the finals came to an end on your watch. Do you feel pressure to win at all costs from that moment? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the things being involved in elite sport and, and particularly coming through a playing background, um, you, you, you're not comfortable in high performance, but you certainly understand high performance. So contrary, uh, it may feel a little contrary to what I was saying before. We AFL football is a, is a win-loss game. Um, we played, as a club, we played in 10 consecutive final series uh, the last time we missed the finals prior to the last two years was back in 2009. So we had a 10-year run and over a 23-year period, it was 19 out of 23. So um, short answer is it sits uncomfortably with me that we've missed the finals the past two years. Statistically, we had, our, I think it was our lowest ladder finish in the history of the club because we finished 16th. Um, and there's only been 18 teams in the comp for the last couple of years. So it's a bit of an anomaly, but... Um, I'm as restless as anyone around on-field success um, and uh, I guess what I need to constantly remind myself of and, and bring people along with us is that we're on a path and we're on a path to uh, sustained on and off-field success um, and the model that we're working through at the moment is is slightly different to the ones we've had to work through previously so um, certainly won't rest up and looking forward to, to getting the Swans back at the, the pointy end of the season. So a lot of people might ask, your Swans Foundation does a lot of work in the community, at schools and helping the community better. How is spending time in the community going to help this football club win premierships? Mm, it's, a, it's a really good question and that's part of the long game. Um, we understand and we're in an extremely fortunate position at the Swans to be a, a flag bearer for the code. Um, Barney, you've been around a long time, a life member of... Uh, 
of AFL Sydney um, and you've seen the game, I guess, develop from very much grassroots to what it is today and we've still got a long way to go and um, we know that the brand of the Swans and the, the role models that we have through our players can have significant influence over future generations. Um, my kids play at Dremoyne Power in the, in the junior AFL uh, competition and, and they're playing with kids who have... Parents have never seen the game before. They've come from overseas. They've come from interstate. Um, and we know how positive an impact that the Swans can have on those junior clubs. And so the foundation uh, supports that. And um, I guess from a talent point of view, um, s significantly supports the QBE Sydney Swans Academies, which is now branched out to a, a youth girls academy as well. And, and to see those young boys and girls run around. Um, and come through the development pathway that the AFL ultimately facilitates is, is great and, and we take our responsibility as a key player in that very seriously here at the Swans. So what do you say to young players, especially your, your children's age, when people tell them nice guys finish last and the squeaky wheel gets the oil? <laughs> oh, We've had this conversation over coffee before, Barn, I reckon. Um, uh there's a different. There, there, I'll answer it by saying there's a distinction between um, being nice and a pushover, and and being a really good good person. And the the most successful people that I've met in life, again, how how you determine or define success is up to you. But um, the most successful people that I've met are genuinely good people. They're very they're very respectful. Um, uh, they give and earn respect. Um, they're very personable, um, and in a, in a lot of ways, funnily enough, they're subservient to a to a greater cause, and that cause might be their family, it might be their footy club, it might be their business, it might be their friendship group. Um, and um, uh, in in my experience, they're the type of people that have sustained success. I've got no doubt if you go for win at all costs, you think about the concept of win at all costs in its most extreme form. That's cheating. In like, you know, I'm not sure I want to win at all costs. There's there's uh, there's um there's a there's a line there, but um, anything that I've been involved in, I certainly want to win. I'm a com bloody competitive, um, but also want to leave the place, the team, the organisation, friendship group, school, whatever, um, better for my involvement in it, and um, uh, that's ultimately around uh, sustainability. So making the right decision isn't always the popular one. Tell us about what you did with Stevie J back at Geelong when you were the captain? Stevie J. Who's... No. <laughs> I've spoken to... Steve's a really good mate of mine. He's obviously um, an assistant coach at the Swans for the past couple of years and he's back at the Giants where he finished his career. Um, uh, Stevie was a player who had enormous ability um, at that point in time, hadn't fulfilled that potential. Um the Geelong Footy Club at the time were going through a very um, significant cultural reform, behavioural reform, and, and new standards were set unashamedly off the back of the success that the Swans had had in that sort of space through leading teams. Um, and great leaders like Brett Kirk and Stewie Maxfield, Craig Bolton, Adam Goods, um, that sort of crowd. And um, Steve needed to get better. And, and as a group, a leadership group, we challenged him on that and he fell short. Um, and he was banished to the VFL as it was back then and um, with some pretty pretty strong writing instructions to get better and that was around professionalism but ultimately respect for the position that he was in, for his teammates but most importantly for himself. Um, and to Steve's credit he did that 
and um, and it was a really you know, significant turning point in, in his career. But um, I guess when you're talking about leadership, again, caveat, I'm far from an expert, but um, again, the, the leaders that I look up to, they do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And um, and sometimes, to your original question, Barn, that, that is unpop- unpopular. Um, but as long as you've got a resolve and a conviction with, within yourself that, uh, that you're doing it for the right reason, um, uh, you can't go too far wrong. How hard is it to keep telling yourself you're doing the right thing, making these tough, unpopular choices and, uh, and all that sort of jazz that goes with it when the Swans missed the finals two years running and you have to give up the lease you had for a new premises for the Sydney Swans? Mm. How hard is it to say you're doing the right thing when those, thing, those big bad things happen? Well, I mean, COVID-19 had significant impact on on the world clearly and still having it and certainly organisations and certainly sporting organisations. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's if we use the Royal Hall of Industries as an example and for the listeners who aren't familiar, it was a 27-year lease of a, a, a state-significant building um, just down the road here from the SCG um, and we'd worked for the best part of a decade to secure that lease. Um, the reality is for the long-term benefit of the club at that particular point in time, so right, right, um, right, thing, right time, right reason, um, it was the prudent decision to, to surrender that lease. At the point in time when we did that, we were unsure of our, our going concern um, and that was important that we did that for the longevity of the club. Now, we are working feverishly to reignite that, that lease um, and we've got a bit of work to do. But uh, again, if, if, you, if you've got a framework that you, you, your decision-making matrix without sounding too wishy-washy about it is sound, um, some of those hard decisions become a little easier. So what can fans of AFL in general and especially the Swans look forward to in 2021? Hopefully crowds, Barn. That's, that's the main one. So we haven't had a meaningful crowd at the SCG since um, uh, round 23, uh, 2019. It was a great day. We knocked off the Saints. Buddy's 300th. He kicked four. Kieran Jack, Jared McVeigh, Nick Smith, Reg Grundy um, all retired. Um, uh, it was a pride game as well as a fantastic day. So we're welcoming, looking forward to welcoming back a meaningful crowd. Um, round two against the Crows. It's a twilight game on March the 27th, a Saturday afternoon. Um, I would encourage everyone to come along. I'd encourage everyone to buy a membership too to help the uh, the security of the, the Swans. We need you now more than ever. But that's the main thing we're looking forward to. And then as far as performance goes, we've, we're developing as a team. Um, we've got a good young squad that's coming through that's played relatively a, a bit of footy together at a very young age and um, we think we've got the nucleus on our squad at the moment of our next really, really good team. So um, new household names for Swans fans. Um, some of them, like Heaney, Mills, Blakey, now Braden Campbell and Errol Goulden have come through the academy and looking forward to uh, to seeing them develop and, and work our way back up the ladder to get to, get back to the finals where I know you want us to be, Barn. Outstanding. Go you Swans. Tom Harley, thank you so much for joining me on Everyday Greatness. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to the ARA Group, our major sponsor of Everyday Greatness. Thank you to Look Studio Australia for recording this podcast. And I hope that when you put your device down and walk down the corridor in a, in a little while, you lift your head up, push your shoulders back and are proud of being an everyday Joe Bag of Donuts. I hope you can join us next week where I'll be speaking to international journalist Prue Clark who reported on the Twin Towers bombings on 9-11 and the Ebola crisis in Africa. I'll be speaking to Prue about how she builds family resilience under her roof. Thank you again for listening.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Greatness, proudly brought to you by major sponsor ARA Group. If you'd like to stay up to date, check out our pages on Facebook and Instagram or to listen to more episodes, go to everydaygreatness.com.au or wherever you get your podcasts.